you know, I, I've covered the deaths of, of the deaths of police officers in small communities uh, or smaller communities. I mean, anywhere you cover as a reporter, the death of a police officer, it is always difficult. In a smaller community, it is particularly difficult because oftentimes the whole community, the whole force, everybody knows each other. You know, these aren't just uh, officers on the street. These are people, these are friends, these are neighbors and so forth. So you can imagine the sense of tragedy and loss tonight in Innisfil, north of Toronto. There was a community vigil there this evening to honor two police officers shot and killed in the line of duty. Uh, they have been identified by the South Simcoe Police Service as 50-year-old, 54-year-old rather, Constable Morgan Russell, a trained crisis negotiator, husband and father of two, and 33-year-old Constable Devin Northrup, who worked with mental health teams. Uh, the service says the officers were responding to a disturbance call around 8 p.m. on Tuesday from family members at a home in that community, Innisfil. Uh, Ontario's police watchdog, the SIU, says the two officers exchanged gunfire with a 23-year-old man inside the home and that he was also killed during the firefight. The SIU later said the gun the suspect used was an SKS semi-automatic rifle. Six-year-old, 60-year-old John Ridge lives near the home where the shooting happened. I think it's horrible, and I'm sickened by it. I mean, these guys go out and put their lives on the line for us every single day, and this is the kind of thanks they get. Yeah, as I mentioned, in communities of that size, every people know each other. Uh, the mayor of Innisfil, Ontario, today says the community is shocked. Our, our hearts are broken for the families and for our police colleagues. And it's a dark day and it's going to take us a long time to process this. The mayor of Innisfil, Ontario there. Constable Russell was a 33-year member of the service. Constable Northrop had been with South Simcoe Police for six years. Uh, the Prime Minister also paid tribute to the officers today. I know the families of people who serve um, are always worried for their loved ones as they step forward to serve their communities to keep the rest of us safe. Uh, and I can't imagine what those families are going through. Please know that we stand with you as families. We stand with all uh, those who step up to serve and protect us all. Constables Northrop and Russell are the third and fourth police officers to be killed in Ontario in the last month. On September 12th, you may remember Toronto Police Constable Andrew Hong was killed in what police called an ambush during a series of shootings uh, that left two others dead and wounded three others. On September 14th, York Regional Police Constable Travis Gillespie died at the scene of a head-on car crash with a drunk driver. Well, joining me now is Dave Perry. He's the CEO of Investigative Solutions Network, a private investigator and a former Toronto police detective. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, happy to be here. Dave, I understand this one uh, hit close to home for you too. You have godsons on that very same police force. Uh, you must have, the, the thoughts that went through your head when you heard about it this morning. Well, I think I, I felt like anybody who, you know, sort of part of that big policing family that you start wondering who. I mean, it's devastating just to hear the news that an officer has been killed in the line of duty. But, you know, the network is pretty solid within the policing community. Calls start to go out. So when I heard the news at 4.30 this morning, I, I contacted those that I know and, and made sure that they were okay. And, uh, you know, they are okay, except for the fact that uh, their, their brothers in, in law enforcement were killed in line of duty, and, and uh, they're going to suffer just like everybody else is going to suffer with that tremendous loss. 
Yeah, I was mentioning that I had covered the death of deaths of police officers, sadly, tragically, in smaller communities. And, and, and it, it's not that it's different, but it feels different. It feels like it has an outsized impact on everyone. Uh, it's one of those, you know, we thought this could happen in Toronto. We never believe it would happen here situations. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I've been around long enough to have witnessed and participated in way too many uh, police officers' funerals, and there, there is a, a different feel when it's a small community. And this entire community and that police service, is, it's going to take years for them to come to terms with what's happened here. That's, that's how much of an impact it has. It sounds as if, just from the descriptions of their skill sets, it sounds as if these two officers were very much uh, knew what kind of situations, often found themselves in these sorts of situations. Um, uh, do, do we have, it's very early days yet, but do we have any indication of, of, of what could have possibly have gone wrong here? No, and it's, it's early enough that I certainly wouldn't want to speculate with what happened and with what went wrong, but just the description and the nature of the call, as we all know in policing, uh, 99% of these calls, uh, you know, result in some kind of a resolution that doesn't include police officers being seriously hurt or killed. But we also know that the stakes are high, that when you go to any kind of a call that involves family, any kind of a domestic disturbance, and it doesn't matter if it's an intimate partner situation or if the situation like we heard today where it sounded like a grandson and a grandparent or grandparents, the volatility of these calls is, is always the unknown. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it, there are times when it gets to a point where people are at their worst and therefore they're, they're most violent when the police arrived in the hopes of trying to help them. And instead you have the tragic results that we saw in Innisville. Yeah, I mean, South Simcoe obviously had someone who could deal with mental health uh, emergencies, someone who was a crisis negotiator. These were people trained to handle these sorts of calls, it would seem, just by looking at, at, their, at, their, at their credentials. Yeah, for sure. And here, here's the thing that we all know, any, any of us that have served, we, we all know this, is that you can train and you can have a level of expertise in crisis management and negotiations and so on, but you're only in control of what you can control. And in cases like this, things get out of control in a real hurry. And, uh, you know, a police officer's can be, life can be taken within a split second before anybody's even had a chance to engage. And when I say that, to speak to somebody, to even have a dialogue and just the mere presence of the uniform and, um, you know, you, you have people that will respond with lethal force, including, you know, firearms and so on. So police officers from time to time are unfortunately murdered in, under these circumstances. And in this particular case, it, it's about as bad as it gets. Two police officers, small town, uh, very, you know, fairly small police service. Every officer knows every officer intimately. They know the community members uh, intimately. The chief of police who, who um, you know, obviously did the news release announcing who the officers were today. He would have known these officers. He would have known their families. He would have known their children. You know, it's it's just another level of, of sadness when it happens in a small town. And uh, for all of us that uh, that served, this is, you know, your worst moment in, in your life and your worst moment in your career. And we all bleed blue, and there's there's people right across this country and, and globally that are, are feeling the effect of these two murders today.
Yeah, I've seen the outpouring of sympathy from right across the country and abroad. Um, I imagine that that most officers can picture themselves in in that situation, a disturbance, right? Something that, as you pointed out, is often just routine um, ending this way. I imagine that any officer who's been on the street knows exactly what that disturbance call might look like and, and what what uh, and what could go wrong. Yeah, and every officer will look back after a, a career in this and, and think that could have been me at this particular call or, you know, during this particular uh, interaction with somebody. And, and most of us face some kind of a, a life-threatening situation, sometimes multiple times in your career. And you always hope that it's not going to happen to you. And, of course, you hope it's not going to happen to anybody and any of your colleagues in law enforcement. But the reality is it does happen, and it's been a really tough uh, month in, in law enforcement, especially in the GTA here, where we've had such significant losses. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm heartbroken about what happened. All I'm thinking about is those families tonight. Yeah. Um, how much information do officers have going to calls like that? When I mean, how much do they know heading to that call about what may be there, what may be the nature of the problem, whether there are weapons? Do, do, how much information do they have when they go, especially in a smaller community where they might even know the address? Yeah, as as much as possible, and it, it's uh, you know it's it's a, it's a moving piece of policing is you know the intelligence you have when you're you're going to a call. Sometimes you can go um, fairly well armed with with information. You know somebody's got a you know a history with the police, and you've got lots of warnings that this person may be violent towards officers. There's Depending on the nature of the call, there you can then take the time to have lots of backup, and you can handle the call in a completely different way. Other times, uh, you know, somebody uh, for whatever reason uh, does the ultimate. They go from somebody who's had no criminal record or a very minor criminal record that wouldn't stand out or make them stand out, and you have that person being, you know, the suspect in in a murder or in the death of a couple of police officers or, or whatever. So it's it's the unknown that is always going to be the part that keeps you awake at night from call to call to call. And listen, after a career in police, some of the most frightening experiences were the ones that you just didn't expect. You didn't see them coming. Right. Ones where you, ones that seemed routine until they weren't. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, you know, some of the most peaceful or at least apparent peaceful arrests that you could make, and suddenly, for whatever reason, and it's usually an unknown reason, the the uh, the person turns extremely violent, and then you're in a, a life and death struggle. They're they're trying to take your firearm. They, you know, they're trying to get to a weapon. They try and get in their vehicle and drag you down the street with the vehicle. And you know, so again, things can go from zero to 100 in a split second. And that's generally when officers uh, are injured or killed in the line of du- duty. And you know, you can train every day. You can train all you want to do. And it's a, it's like a military saying, you know, every, you can do all the training you want. And then when the first uh, breach of the border happens or the first bomb gets dropped, uh, the rule book almost goes out the window and you're in a survival mode. And you, you do you do what you can and the best you can to, to make sure you get through that moment. Dave, this has been a really tough month for the police, uh, for police officers across Ontario and across Canada, for that matter. Uh but you also knew Constable uh, Andrew Hong as well, the, the Toronto police officer who was shot and killed, uh, ambushed uh, earlier this month. Uh, what kind of impact does that have on just being able to go out and do your job every day? I mean, I realize that everyone is a dedicated professional, but it must hit really close to home for everyone there. It hits very close to home. And, 
You know, I, I like to separate two things. You know, you mentioned morale earlier, and at times like this, it's not so much as a, a morale issue as it is, a, you know, a grief issue. And, um, you know, obviously the police officers in Innisfil are all going to be grieving for quite a period of time, as will those poor families and police officers from across the country, because that's just what we do. It it hits you right in the pit of your stomach anytime you hear that an officer has been killed in the line of duty. And of course, the closer you get to that, that uh, horrible tragedy, the, the more it's going to hurt. So grief, as we all know, is an ongoing process. It's going to take a very long time. And in a small, a small community like Innisfil, it's, it's going to take that particular police service, all of those men and women who go out and serve every, every day, it's going to take them a, a very, very long time. And some of them, of course, may not ever get over it, and and I don't think we ever do. Have we gotten better, uh, or at least have police services gotten gotten better at recognizing what happens to officers when these sorts of tragedies befall a force, or even within a province or a neighboring force, for that matter? Well, I think so, but uh, it doesn't change the no. the impact, obviously, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've gotten better at being more open about, you know, the impacts and, and the damage done in terms of grief and and so on and, for, and, and how to manage some of the losses. But it, it doesn't change how people are going to feel in, in the moment and, and in the months and years that follow. So that, that's always going to be a very challenging part. What really helps police officers, uh, we're very lucky to be in a country like this where even though, it's probably the high, most highly criticized profession on the planet. And there has been an awful lot of negativity about the police in recent years, um, that this is the time when officers truly understand and feel and know that their communities are behind them. And it's that outpouring of community support that will get these officers and their family and that entire community through, through such a tragedy. So I can't emphasize enough just how important it is to have the public support at a time like this. When you see three, I mean, these, this is three officers shot and killed in the line of duty in a matter of a month, uh, exactly a month, actually. Um, is there anything more that, that needs to be done to better protect police? Uh, it begs, I guess we don't know the, the circumstances in his, in his fill, uh, but it, is, does this really raise any alarm bells for you? Well, it's too early again for the Innisfil one to, to, for any of us to comprehend you know, what, what led to this and, and what were the circumstances that were either known or unknown before it happened. So all of that thing, all of that process has to unfold. Um, but, you know, I mean, we can talk and go around circles with this all day long, but my personal belief is that we've kind of lost our way here with our justice system in Canada, and mm-hmm. we need to start, uh, you know, forcing our elected uh, leaders to, you know, tighten down on law enforcement in terms of punishment and accountability. We can't have the revolving door that we see now where very violent criminals who are charged with up to and including murder are getting out in bail and then recommitting offenses. So those kinds of things, that's that's a big talk for another day as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, supporting the police in, in that way and listening to the police and, and and actually understanding what's happening to our streets through the eyes in the ears of police officers who know exactly what they're doing, are very professionally trained and, and who are proud of their profession and want to do the best thing for their communities. Maybe people should be listening to them a little bit more than they do right now. 
And a reminder here too, I guess that uh, that the problems that we often associate with with bigger places are prevalent everywhere now. When it comes to drugs, gangs, guns, it doesn't matter how small the community is these days, especially in bedroom communities outside big cities. Yeah, it's happening everywhere. Um, you know, that's the thing that I see today. I do a lot of travel in, in my business, and I do travel uh, in big cities and small towns. And the only thing I'm seeing is the same thing is that, you know, the, the drugs and and the results of, the, you know, the, the drug trade and the violence and the, the guns and the gangs are, are taking a hold of virtually every community, you know, at some level, um, you know, and it's impacting everybody. So maybe we should be looking at what it is we need to do as a, as a country to to improve this situation. I mean, you know, I started policing a very long time ago, and there was a time when, you know, people were – you know, for example, God forbid you say it today, they were forced into care. You know, you wouldn't leave a homeless person sleeping on a sidewalk at, uh, you know, at midnight on a cold winter's night when it's 25 below and they could they could perish you. You know, we had the power, at least the police had the power to actually apprehend them, not arrest them, not get them in trouble, but to take them to a place of safety. And all of those social programs are long gone. Our mental health facilities are wide open and they're not holding on and caring for people the way they used to. And and then the same, as I said, with the criminal justice system, um, there's no accountability. It's a revolving door. Criminals are laughing going in and going out of court because they know very little is going to happen. And, you know, they might have the gun seized on one night and their drugs seized on, on that same night. And, you know, within a day or two, they're back out. They have another gun. They have more drugs and they're right back at doing what they they do every other day. And, and that creates you know, all kinds of problems for us as a society and the, and the poverty and, and the violence that comes out of that. It's, it's, Dave Perry, it's measurable. Work it out. It's not good. Leave it. Thank you so much for your time tonight.